Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you by our good friends at MyBookie. You guys still have time. You can create a new account on MyBookie today. Just go to MyBookie.ag. Use the promo code UGA when you sign up for a brand new account, and they will still double your first deposit. They've been running this promo exclusively for you guys, listeners of the Glory UGA podcast, since the season started. And it's going to carry on through the rest of the season. So go ahead and jump on it today while you can. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. I am your host, Tyler. And here with me today as he is each and every Sunday to break down our latest win. This one, a 42-20 victory over the Florida Gators is my co-host, Curtis. And if it's cool with you guys, we're just going to get right into it today. Curtis, we should always be happy with beating Florida, at least as far as I'm concerned, because for about, oh, I don't know, man, like 15 to 20 years or so during my formative years, in this series, wins were hard to come by. There just weren't many of them. I mean, we lost, what, 13 of 14 at one point from 1990 to 2003, and then 18 of 21 from 1990 to 2010. And this is always my birthday weekend, guys. I was born October 30th, 1985. So you can kind of imagine what my birthdays were like growing up. It really didn't make for a lot of great birthdays. I mean, I'd have great birthdays, a great family, great friends, great birthday parties as a kid, all that fun stuff. But then there was always that game. Sometimes it was on October 30th, sometimes October 29th, sometimes the 28th, sometimes the 31st, sometimes November 1st. But it's like always like my birthday weekend. And so, yeah, growing up, we lost most of those games during my formative years. So, yes, as an old man now, I cherish every single win I can get over these guys. I don't care what shape they take. I don't care how we have to get it done. I don't care if it's by one point or if it's by 51 points. I enjoy every single win over Florida. But Curtis, now that you've had, I don't know, what, 24 hours or so to digest this win, how are you feeling about the game and I guess just the overall effort yesterday? You know, I when I look back, I enjoyed the win. I thought we took care of business, but I'm also a little, I'm a little sour because it's I mean, we should have beaten them by four touchdowns. And I think that's what bothers me is the sloppiness at times and just the maybe the lack of attention that was happening. Yeah. 
especially like when you think back and like, yeah, we ended up winning by 22, but at one point, it, you know, they got it down to an eight point game. And I think I'm just for us, uh, I'm frustrated with those mistakes and some of the plays like that. But overall, I'm still very happy that we won. We um, took care of business. And I think that more than anything, I really enjoyed seeing our response of when they cut it down, we made some of those mistakes and yet our team bounced back. And I think that that was um, one of the things I really enjoyed. Yeah, I think there's something to that, Curtis. You know, like I, I know that we don't want to ever be in that position where we have all this momentum at halftime and then you lose that momentum and the, and the opponent gets within one score when they were down 28-3 at halftime. You don't ever want to be in that position, ideally, of course. But to see the team respond the way that they did and regain the momentum, I think there's something to that. There's something to be said for that. I and mean, we saw this team show some resiliency against Missouri. And that's still, I mean, God, going back to that game, that's a game that we – I'm not even sure how we snuck out there with the win at this point, but we, the team at, at that point when we needed it. That was the first time we were, we were really tested from like a resiliency standpoint. We answered the bell there. It wasn't pretty. It was ugly, but we answered the bell and we did so again. And obviously it was a lot prettier of a win this time around, but when we've had to, we've answered the bell. And that's why I was saying going back to the Missouri game, Curtis is like, you know, I'm it, it, and you, you and I were both on this. It wasn't just me. You know, when you can win it game, if, Play ugly as, as ugly as we did against Missouri, but still find a way to win and have to show that kind of resiliency along the way. That can be a really good thing for your team because you've been put through the fire and you have the confidence you can find your way out. I think maybe that helped us here against Florida. Because you know, Chris, when we can play, I mean, Florida's not a very good football team. Missouri's not a great football team. I know they went on the road and beat South Carolina yesterday. Good for them. But they're not a very good football team. But we're going to play better football teams down the road. Those, I mean, this week, Curtis, and – Adversity is going to hit. That's what I was saying is when we played Missouri. Adversity is going to hit at some point. You don't want the first time you hit adversity to be, to be against the best teams on your schedule because you might not be ready to answer that bell that against that kind of team. It might not be a, a good enough at that point. So for us to be able to show that again against a team like Florida, yes, that we're far better than, I do think there's something to that. But, you know, trying to answer my own question here, I, I think there's two ways to look at it. You're right, Curtis. I mean, you, we should all be excited because we beat Florida, right? It's a number one rival. Be excited. But there, there's also, you said, being sour about it. I can get that, too. I mean, on one hand, yes, we beat our rival by, what, 22 points, three-plus touchdown to put up 555 yards of offense. If I remember correctly, I think that is the second most yards we've ever put up on a Florida defense. We outgained them by nearly 200 yards. And we did that, Curse. Like, we won by three-plus touchdowns despite being minus three in the turnover margin. So that tells you where these two programs are right now. But it was complete domination in the first half. you got to be excited about that. Like, we looked – like almost unbeatable in the first half. And on the other hand, yeah, we let momentum slip away, let them crawl back in the second half. Uh, within a score, man, it was a tight game there from now. I was, I don't know about you, but um, I was feeling the heat. I was feeling the heat there, man. I was like, all the pressure's on us. But again, our guys answered. Now that was primarily because of turnovers. We put ourselves in that position. We made some uncharacteristic mistakes offensively and defensively in that second half. Just all around sloppy in that second half. But I think at the end of the day, after 24 hours, kind of sit and chew on it. I'm still very, very happy to win. Again, anytime that we beat Florida, I feel good about it. And, I, you know, I, I'm certainly frustrated by the second half, and I recognize that, yeah, you know, we can't play like that if we want to win, oh, I don't know, next week at home against Tennessee. But still, anytime you beat Florida, beating my three-plus touchdowns, I mean, you're kind of spoiled. If you're going to sit here and say we're not happy with that, I mean, that's that's just a spoiled fan base, right, Curtis? I mean, it is, and that's, that's why I'm also trying to be um, realistic. I mean, I think that – uh, it's, you know, when we're talking about these lack of effort things, I think it's because we know that there, like you said, there's going to be better teams on our schedule and it's more of looking for those instead of not being happy with a win. Yeah. I mean, I, I understand why someone might be frustrated with how the second half played out. I totally get that. I think that 
certainly has a lot of credibility. We should be frustrated with how the second half played out, but that shouldn't mean that we can't sit here and enjoy a three-plus touchdown winner forward, even though it might not be a good Florida team. Again, I sat through many a birthday weekend growing up, sitting there, not in tears, but just dejected, knowing what was coming every single every single year during my birthday. So anytime that I can get a win over Florida, that we can win, I, I will absolutely take it. I'll be very, very happy with it. And it's just, let's move on to the next one, which we will have a lot of coverage on this week. But Kurt, let's move on here. Let's talk about the offense specifically for a few minutes. You know, from a statistical standpoint, it really was. Like statistically, it was another great day for the offense. You know, we came into this game averaging 526 yards per game, 41.7 points per game. And then we put up 346 yards and 28 points in the first half. So, of course, we were well on our way if those trends held up to putting up 700 points and, what, 56 or 700 yards. 700 points would be a lot. 700 yards and 56 points against the Gators. We end up with 555. Yes, the second most ever for us against Florida. I do have that in my notes here. And 42 points at the end of the day. We were 6-12 on third down. 239 yards rushing, 6 yards per attempt. So when you look at those numbers, like, yeah, okay. I mean, th- that was a fantastic day for the Georgia offense. But there's another side to this that we will get to momentarily. We're not going to just pump sunshine and rainbows here. We'll get to the bad stuff here in a minute. But, Curtis, those are still some good numbers. We'll get to what we didn't like next. But let's let's open here. What did you like about the offensive effort against Florida? I think what my biggest thing um, was the offensive line. I thought that they did a great job both in the run game and in the pass game. I mean, there were there were times where Sexton was had plenty of time to get rid of the ball, a lot more than we've seen so far this season, especially balance wise. Did, did Britton Cox play in this game? I mean, that's what I'm saying. They took him completely out Team of it. Out I mean, there? it's just the the offensive line. I thought dominated it from start to finish, and I think that's what stood out to me the most. Talk about an all-timer of talking trash and never being able to back it up. Britton Cox for you guys. Round of applause. Yep. Well done, sir. But you're, I mean, that, Chris, that's that's not the top of my my notes here, but it's certainly on my list. What I have here is that we got consistent movement in the run game. Yeah, and that hasn't always have, been the case. Kurt. We have not been. Yeah, I should say that's not been the case. And, and look, Florida is bad against the run. You know, I, I will. We, we have to put the context out there. You know, I said in our preview episode last week, I felt the game plan had to be run the freaking football because Florida it just has been a very very bad rush defense. So. There's that, but still, we've we've played some bad rush defenses, Curtis. I mean, I don't even know if we got that kind of movement against Kent State, to be honest with you. So I think we're seeing improvement off the line. Kent State and Sanford, you didn't see that kind of movement. No, you didn't. uh, We're we're getting more movement. I think that's that's what we're we're seeing improvement for the offensive line there. I think we're also seeing the offensive line do a better job of getting the second level. I've had a chance to go back and rewatch it one time on my way home from the game, and. You know, just seeing our ability on some of these gap plays, on these gap scheme plays, the counter plays, fighting up to second level, even also on some of the zone plays, fighting up to the second level, getting off of off of the double teams, and actually getting up there and hitting somebody, hitting the right person at the second level. You know, you're starting to see us break some more of these longer runs, Curtis. That does not happen by accident. Our running backs didn't just all of a sudden get better. The running backs are the same guys. Our offensive line is doing a better job of getting to the second and third level and create those opportunities for them to hit some more of those explosive runs. So I think we've seen offensive line. I know people early in the year, I think, and understandably so, where there was some frustration with Stacey Searles. I think after, I don't know, most of the Missouri game, I, mean, I had multiple people DMing me saying that it's time to move on. Like, let's get rid of this guy already. It was four or five games in the season. And that was a bad look. That was a bad look. But I want to, you know, when we're going to crush those guys in those in those kind of moments, let's also you know, give them a pound on the back and say, you know what? 
they've improved. They've gotten better. And I think this was this was case in point. Yes, Florida sucks on defense. They're, they're terrible against the run. There is that. But still, we got movement in a way that we haven't really gotten moving. It's against, I would say, less talented defensive fronts at other points this year. So I think that's a huge thing. And you're right, protection, Stetson had seemingly all day back there. So just a fantastic effort by the offensive line. What else did you like, Kurt? I think the response in the run game, um, especially Kenny McIntosh, I thought, I mean, yes, he had that fumble. But I think his response, I mean, to me, that was the best I've seen him ever play as a running back. Um, as a, you know, with running the ball, not receive or as a um, pass catcher. But I thought as a true running back, I thought that's the best I've seen with his vision and everything. Man, how physical was Kenny McIntosh yesterday? He, he, I've never seen him run that different guy. No, I haven't. And, like, I was, like, sitting there, like, Man, I don't know what changed, but if you keep this going, we can make some things happen. Like, if Kenny's going to run like that consistently, like, okay, all right, let's, let's go, Kenny. And look, I, I don't want to say Kenny's not done some of that in his career. He's just never run with that kind of consistent ferocity and power in his in his career here. Like, he's done it at times. Like, I've always said I think Kenny was a, is a guy that can run between the tackles better than he was given credit for. He's not this, like, prototype scat back, although we use him, obviously, a lot in the passing game. He can run between the tackles, but we have not seeing him run that hard and that physically at any point in his career for an entire game. And that guy was, I mean, he was like seeking out contact at times. And I, I mean, I was, I loved every second of that. So I, I love what I saw from Dejan Edwards. You know, I, I think I say it every single week on this podcast, Curtis, I'll say it again, man. All Dejan Edwards does is produce, man. That's all the man does. And I might have a little game ball for him. Come back later, you know, so don't want to spoil that there. But probably going to give him a game ball if you don't steal him from me first. But, uh, Kurt, what did you make of the game plan coming out in this one from Todd Munkin? I liked it, um, especially, like, when they had the big guy at the um, nose car. We, you know, going with this a little bit of the hurry up, I thought was really good. And then I thought we were – it was balanced. I mean, yeah, we threw the ball – plenty of times but I thought like it, we didn't just abandon the run like we had in the past um we still used like we we're throwing a lot but how many of those passes were actually set up due to play action well we had nine by this is okay one rewatch Curtis one rewatch I counted nine first down throws off of play action which and I can't see here and say that I've counted every single game of, of first down play action shots but my feel watching it in the stands, Curtis, was that we took more play action. We were throwing the ball more on first down off of play action than I had seen at any point this year. Did you get that same feel, or am I just making that up? I did. That's the exact same feel I got. And we, again, my this is just my my first count. I'll go back and count it again, try to give you some more accurate numbers. But first count, watching it on the way home on my phone, first te- for, 14 first down passes, nine of those off of play action. That is exactly what we need to be doing, Curtis. I, I, I talked about this coming off the Missouri game, going into the Auburn game, that we need to kind of go back to basics. And that's what we did against Auburn. And I felt coming out of that game, my big takeaway from the Auburn game was, okay, I think we have this rediscovery, right? Of like, okay, this is who we are. And now we're embracing. And I think this game plan, Curtis, coming off a of bye week, I think what you saw is a full-on embrace of this is who we are. This is who this well team is. This is how we've recruited. This is how we built this offense. I know that ideally, like you know, we want to be throwing the ball over the field, like Tennessee and Ohio State. Yeah, of course. We don't have that personnel, Curtis, right? Like, let's just be honest. Offensively, at the receiver position, especially with A.D. Mitchell out, we do not have that personnel. Now, we kind of fooled everyone in the first game because we came out 
in a with, a with a game plan that no one expected. Dan Lane didn't expect. Oregon had no tape off that, so we were screening them to death. We were getting the ball out of Stetson's hands real quick, getting the ball to playmakers. We were fully healthy, but we had a tough time replicating that. The, you know, the next couple of weeks, right? And I think you saw after Missouri game coming into Auburn, we said, okay, we're going to try to get back to basics here and see if we can get back to what, what we do. And I think week after week since that point, you've seen us embrace that more and more and more. And then now coming off the bye week, I feel like this was a full-on, I mean, again, a, an embrace of this is our offensive identity. We are going to be a downhill physical rushing attack we are going to bludgeon you. We are going to do it with multiple tight ends and create matchup problems. And then we are going when you when we establish the run and you have to account for that, we are going to hit you with big shots down the field off of play action and do it on early downs. That's what we did so well last year, Curtis. And like you know, I, I said in the offseason, I thought this was going to be the best Georgia offense in history. And when I said that, I didn't. I did not anticipate seeing what we saw against Oregon, like the way that we did it. I thought we were still going to do, have basically the same offensive identity, but we just had better players and more experienced players doing it. And I still think that's who we can be, Curtis. We still have, like, we have this personnel, right? We have the players that we have, and they're built to do what we did yesterday. And I just think that we're better and more experienced. We have a, a wider variety of playmakers who are able to go out there and make those kind of plays for us in the passing game, in the running game, than we even did last year. So, I loved every second of that because I think that is what we have to be. I think we're playing to our roots. We're playing to our our personnel, and I loved every second of it. So I was just um, beyond excited by what I saw from Todd Munkin coming out because I hope that's what we're going to continue continue to see throughout the rest, the rest of the season. I don't see why not because it's worked every single week. I know the competition has not been great, granted, but it's worked every single week since that Missouri game. What did you make of the play of the tight ends, Kurt? Obviously, that was a bright spot. I mean, it was – huge i mean both in the receiving and in the, the run blocking i thought there was you saw so many big plays that were created um in the run game due to blocking by the tight ends you think back to that one adhesion where we bounced back and scored that first touchdown to respond and how uh yeah darnell made that block that allowed him to get to the edge you saw so you know they really changed everything you know, obviously, we ran a fair amount between the tackles in this game. We had a lot of success. Honestly, we had more success running between the tackles than I thought that we would. We also had a lot of success running on the on the edges, which is what I would kind of what I said. You know, on the preview show last week, that's where I would have attacked. We had a lot of success there. You know, I, I had I've had several questions throughout the course of the season on social media, like, "Hey, man, like, why why are we always seeming to try to attack the edges?" And my answer to that is. Well, because we have Darnell Washington and Brock Bowers out there. That's where those guys are. And not only are they two of the best blockers on the entire team, but when they are out there on the perimeter, on the edges blocking, Curtis, who are they blocking? They're not blocking interior demons alignment. They're blocking sometimes linebackers, but more often than not, they're blocking safeties and star defenders and cornerbacks. And they just crush them. And why would you not? It's a matchup nightmare for those for those defenders out there, those secondary players, some of those linebackers even, trying to get around and get through Brock Bowers and obviously Darnell Washington. And we had a lot of success doing that. But, I mean, the passing game, Curtis, uh, they combined for eight catches for 201 yards, which accounted for 64% of our passing yards in this game, our reception yards in this game. So, Curtis, I, again, this is what I, I'm talking about with our identity. from our, From a personal standpoint, our tight ends are clearly the best playmakers on this roster, especially at least in the passing game. I think we can at least say probably the best playmakers overall, especially when we talk about Brock Bowers, no doubt there. So we need to feature these guys and get them the freaking football. Eight catches for 201 yards, that's great, Curtis. Honestly, I want more than that. I don't even think that's enough. I mean, 201 yards is fantastic. Brock had, had his career day, I think 154 yards receiving. But we need to feed these guys more than that. I mean, honestly, the, Darnell and Brock, 
Don't you think they need more than eight catches? Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I can agree with that. It's tough to just sit there and throw the ball to the same guys every single play. I understand that defenses compensate. They can game plan, try to take guys, take guys out of it. But these are the guys that are making plays consistently for us in the passing game. We've got to find them. We, we did a good job of finding ways to get the ball. Obviously, again, Brock Bowers' career day. But I think we should do it even more because these are the matchups that we are going to be able to win with, especially against better teams like, oh, again, I don't know, Tennessee next week. What about the red zone efficiency curve? So four for four touchdowns. So if you go back and look at this curve, we were four for four in the red zone scoring touchdowns this week against Florida. We were four for four against Auburn a couple weeks ago, and we were five for seven against Vandy scoring touchdowns in the red zone. So remember Missouri, we were two of six scoring touchdowns in the red zone, which is a big reason why we almost lost that game. But since that Missouri game, when Curtis and you and I, like we were very frustrated about that. That took up a lot of our conversation on that Missouri recap show. But since that point, we have been 13 for 15 scoring touchdowns in the red zone over the course of the last three games. What has been the difference in your mind, not just Saturday, but over these last three games? I mean, we've established the run. I mean, it's as simple as that. I mean, it's it's crazy to say that, but what what did the last three games have in common? Oh, yeah, we've been running the ball better, and that's allowed us to – I mean, when you're in the red zone, the field shrinks, and you don't – like, we don't have – you don't have that space to do those passing attacks. So you have to run the ball. And we had not been able to. All of a sudden, we, we, we're we doing a better job establishing the run. And look at our red zone percentage shoot up. 100% curse. This is exactly what we talked about in the Missouri game. You know, when you get in the in the condensed part of the field there inside the red zone, when the field shrinks that way and there's not as much room to operate in the passing game, you've got to be able to run the football. And we were not able to do that against Missouri. And it almost got us beat. It almost derailed the season right then and there. But fortunately, we were able to, to survive in advance and move on. And since that point, you're exactly right. And this, again, this goes back to what I was saying in that Auburn game. We embraced our identity. We went back to more of a downhill physical running attack. And we're still throwing the football. We're still throwing the football far more than we did last year, clearly. But we are also going back to the base. That's going back to our roots of who this team is and changing how we are throwing the football, working more off play action with Stetson's more. He's clearly more comfortable with moving the pocket a little bit, giving him some of those throws, going to more RPOs. Stetson was a little iffy at times from those RPOs on Saturday. But that's what we've done. I think that's what we need to continue to do but okay guys we got a lot more to talk about before we move on i do just want to remind you guys about my bookie guys just between you and me not to brag definitely not to brag but just to let you guys know because i want you to join in on the fun too i had a heck of a betting weekend this weekend guys and my bookie really helped me with that because they had all sorts of betting options at my disposal that helped me have that good weekend. I, I had some straight up lines. I had a couple parlays. I had a couple player prop bets. I had a couple team totals. I even had a first half bet that hit this weekend. So sure, I had to make the picks, but my bookie had all those betting options available to me. And I know you guys know your stuff. So put that knowledge to use and make yourself some cash for the holidays here coming up here very shortly. All you got to do is go to mybookie.ag, use the promo code UGA if you're a brand new user, and they will double whatever that initial deposit is. You're not going to beat that deal, guys. So again, take advantage of it today while you can. Mybookie.ag, promo code UGA. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. And we're back. Okay, guys, so we went over the good stuff on offense, and there were a ton of great things, a lot of things to be excited about. We jumped out to a 28-3 lead, and again, the numbers were fantastic, but anyone who actually watched the game knows that despite some of those stellar numbers, there were some issues with the offensive effort at times. So what did you not like about what you saw from the offense against Florida? Um, I think the one thing that really had me was the Stetson's inconsistency in his decision-making. Um yeah. You know, he throws two picks, but when you go back and look at it, it easily – or it should have been three, could have been four. Um, In the very first drive – First drive, um, yeah. They drop, a, they drop a pick. And then when you – It's a horrible throw. That one, a horrible throw. And then you think back to the one – the touchdown to Brock Bowers, the deep, the defender was there. Um, you know, Mari Bernie was right there. Luckily. What is your take on that? Did Do you think he needed to put more air on that instead of kind of like line drive it in there? I think he did, and I think that's been one thing I've seen all year, and I felt like this has been he, where he struggled the most this year in the um, deep ball is he is not putting enough air on it. I th- I've seen it multiple times where he's overthrowing people just because he's kind of throwing it on line too much. And um, and I think that that may have been another prime example of it. And then you think back – I mean, I know the Blaylock one – I don't well, want to that, that was not. That was actually. That. I think that was a fantastic. Throw. I think it was one of his better throws of the day. To be honest with you, it was a yeah, fantastic throw. Like, on you're right. The first one in that first drive was dropped, so it was kind of like I don't want to say karma, but it, you know, you got bailed out on one of them, and then they made a great play on the other one. So it kind of exactly. Out, and then you know, then the one to Dejan, you go back and watch the replay. Darnell Washington was wide open, wide open for a first down, and you know when he gets the ball in his hands, he's not. He's no one stopping him right then. He could have easily had ten to twenty yards more, knowing him. And so, yeah. it, you know, I thought he was inconsistent in the passing game. And then you also talked about the RPO. I thought, I thought he was – some, some of his decision-making was – quite. you know, he had a good game throwing the ball. I'm not trying to say he didn't. But I just thought that there were some plays that could have gone the other way that really could have changed the game. I think when you – the way you said it, Stetson's inconsistencies, inconsistencies. That's exactly what I have in my notes here. I said Stetson's inconsistencies. That's what I wrote on the way home. 
And uh, I totally agree with you, man. Could not agree more. There, there was a lot of good. You're right. There was a lot of yeah, good. Yeah, I mean, like, there, I mean, there was the times. I mean, the throw before the one, the Bowers, where he makes the, the crazy catch for the touchdown. I mean, Darnell dropped one right in his hands. Lad dropped one right in his hands. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, it's not all on. It's not all on Stetson. But there are some plays where, like we said, that these are the things that need to be cleaned up. Yeah, and I know you look at the the final numbers and what fifty percent completion percentage. Well, there are multiple drops and there are also multiple balls several balls where he just threw away so i mean his adjusted yeah. completion percentage numbers will be a lot better than the actual completion percentage numbers but that doesn't that's not to completely absolve stats of responsibility here he did not play especially well in this game he really didn't by his standards there were some there were some really good throws the ball to dom i thought was maybe the throw of the day for him it's a fantastic ball the the ball to lad that lad dropped that was a great ball fit between two defenders there at the scene um the one to darnell you mentioned darnell i mean <laughs> darnell catches those like 99.9% of the time, just dropped that one. Uh, there's a, a first, a big first down. I think it was in the second half. We kind of rifled one in there for a first down to Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint. Yeah, he see, that, one, that was one I was good. Yeah, he did. He did. And those were good throws. Absolutely. Yeah. But he made it, some like head scratching. And head, not only head scratching throws, like, dude, like that was a really, really, really bad miss. But, you know, and I, one thing I've said consistently about Setson all year is I've, I've said, you know what? One thing I'm really excited about from Stetson this year, and this is where you're seeing a lot of improvement, is he's not making some of those head scratching decisions. You know, like yeah. what are you doing? And that's what you, I. That, that, that's yeah. the, one, the one knock I've always had on him is like you could count for at least one of those, and he had done yeah. so well. But I felt like this was the first game where it was really one. there. That yeah. it, and it was you know, and it wasn't just in the throws either. Like we said, you know, the, some of the RPO decisions were a little questionable. Yeah, hundred percent, absolutely. And that's that's the thing. It was like Stetson's been so good this year. He's been in control. He's been confident. He's been calm. He's been composed. He's seen like a different quarterback all year. And you haven't seen. I'm not saying he hasn't made some bad decisions here and there. Of course he has. But like I mean, there were like two to three decisions a game last year that easily could have gotten his beat if we weren't you know just that much better than everyone that we played. Just like what are you doing? And you just haven't seen those kind of decisions. But you start to see some of that a little bit on Saturday. And I just hope that was an anomaly and that's not something that's going to plague us down the stretch because this is where it gets real, Curtis. This is where it gets real coming in, coming in this week against Tennessee. Obviously, we have a lot to talk about the rest of this week. But, I mean, I don't know. There there were some really, really bad throws. I mean, that, that throw to Brock, I mean, I, I think the one that went for the long touchdown, I think got bailed out there. I really do. I mean, that ball had no business being completed. And it goes down as a, as a big completion. Great. Awesome. Glad it worked out for us. But, I mean – you can't make a living making th- th- that kind of play is not going to happen consistently. That's not a sustainable type play. Right. And then he tried to force on the first drive. There's the, obviously the interception. That was just a bad, bad interception on the throw to Dajan. Um, Miss Brock on another one. It was in the, I think it was in the second half, right? Curtis off a play action shot. And he had Brock wide open for probably 30, 40 yards easy and just flat out missed him. Just bad, bad overthrow. So there was some good, there was some bad and all that adds up to, Inconsistencies, inconsistencies. But here's what I'll say, Curtis. As inconsistent as Stetson might have been, the dude still threw for 316, right? And, I mean, he would have had a 400-yard day if it was not for a couple big drops by Darnell and Ladd that you yep. mentioned, right? So, I mean, we're in a different position with Stetson this year than we were a year ago, aren't we? Exactly. I mean, because he, I think what they were saying is he threw the ball more times in the first half than he did the whole game last year. Yeah, he did. He did, man. It's you know, go back and you look at Stetson's year. So he was nearly flawless against Oregon. I mean, <laughs> there was Heisman Trophy talks. Like, could Stetson Bennett go from former walk-on to Heisman Trophy finalist? Well, even I was like, maybe if he keeps playing like this, obviously he's not continued to play like that. He was really good at South Carolina, I thought on the road. 
Um, I thought he was very good against Vandy a couple weeks ago. And he's never really been he's never been outright bad in any one game this year. But I think outside of the Oregon game where he again was almost flawless, really good at South Carolina, I thought he was good against Vandy. He's kind of just been good in every other game. Is that fair? I think that's fair. But the thing last year, Curtis, like there were games where he wasn't even good. You know what I mean? It was like, wow, we yeah. were kind of winning this game in, in spite of Stetson. At like this you point. think back to Arkansas last year. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I, I think we've come a long – I think Stetson's come a long way. I think it's the best version of Stetson that we've seen. But it still doesn't mean that he's perfect, right? And, and I think we saw yeah, the and most those, and, and that's the thing. I'm not expecting him to be perfect like he almost was Oregon. It's just like we've said, those are – like those. you think back to the just those couple throws and those couple RPO decisions, those are the things that need to be cleaned up when you're going against someone where Tennessee where you can't have wasted possessions. We can't lose a turnover battle 3 nothing. We just no. can't against better teams. Just can't. No, we're just that much better than Florida. Again, that's a testament to where we are right now as a program, and that just shows you where Florida is. We are this in diametrically different positions as the programs. But, no, we, can, we, can, we can't do that against Tennessee. We can't do that against Mississippi State. Probably can't even do it against Kentucky, although Kentucky I don't think is really all that good. But I'm totally with you there on Stetson's inconsistencies there in that game. He's got to get – he's got to improve again. He's been he's been really good for us all year. He really has. He hasn't really had, like, a I, I would say a bad game all year. I think this is maybe the first thing to argue was – uh, maybe a bad game. I don't know if it was a bad game, but I think you can at least make the argument that it was. Maybe there's more bad than good at, at times. Uh, what else did you not like about the offensive effort? Yeah, I think turnovers. I mean, those are just the two biggest things. Because other than that, the offense was pretty flawless. I mean, like, we were imposing our will when we wanted to. We were doing whatever we wanted to. I mean, you, you saw us doing fourth down conversions. I mean, it was really hard to find a lot to be mad about with the offense other than some of those things that need to be cleaned up. I mean, they never really stopped us minus three turnovers. I know we punted a couple times, but, you know, outside of three turnovers, we probably put up 50-plus points on them. And should have, honestly. Should have put up 50-plus on this on this team. I will say, well, here's one more thing, Curtis, and I, this is nothing new. I'll just continue to add this. We talked about Stetson um, and him maybe not having his best game against Florida. Definitely not having his best game against Florida. I, I'm going to defend him a little bit here, Curtis. I mean, I know Brock and Darnell are incredible, but we without A.D. Mitchell, we are still just not getting – any sort of consistent separation from wide receivers. Like when when those guys are making plays, Stetson's either having to fit into a very tight window, like the one with Rosemary Jack saying, like that ball he rifled in there, that's a very tight window because we're not getting consistent separation, or they have to be schemed open, like on a screenplay, right? That's what we're seeing. And that makes it tough on a quarterback. So I think when you consider that, that we haven't had our best receiver since like the first drive of the second game, and Stetson's still been able to play as well as he has for the large majority of the season, I, I just want to put that out there and say, I think that – Putting it in that kind of context, I think that that should tell you that Stetson is a different quarterback than he was last year. Curses, you know, we didn't have. I mean, AD, you know, came on at times. George was out all last year, but you know, we had some of the same issues at wide receiver last year for portions of the season. We, I mean, we had so many injuries at that position, but and I think that hurt Stetson to a degree. It kind of held our offense back at times, although we were still really, really good on offense. But this year, I mean, we're still putting up. Over 500 yards a game, Curtis. Stetson's still throwing for, what, I think nearly 300, if not 300 a game. Uh, I'll go back and look at those numbers here in a minute. But And he's doing that with basically a bunch of, like, good but not dynamic players at receiver. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, I think, I think I we mean, should at least even mention that. that. Think, we talked about Stetson's his play yeah, yesterday. Exactly. And that's why, like, when I say stuff, it has nothing to do realistically with certain things that I know outside of his, or his control. It's just some of these throws and things that – have been the question marks right. have been 
a little bit yeah, more inconsistent. Yes, those those overthrows and those misthrows, those wildly inaccurate throws when guys are open, that's not on guys not getting separation. That's on Stetson. And there was a lot on Stetson. But he's also, you know, to play with a bunch of receivers who are having a hard time getting consistent separation against man coverage. That's just reality. That's just reality right yeah. now. So hopefully no, we'll yeah, be back. No question about it. All right, so we're going to talk about the defensive effort here right after the break, but I real quickly just want to remind you about Alumni Hall. I know everybody out there has different preferences. You like different brands. You like different styles of clothing. You like your clothes to fit a certain way. I get all that. But the beautiful thing is that Alumni Hall has something for everyone. They have hands down the best selection of Georgia gear that you will find anywhere. Whatever brand you want, whatever style you want, whatever color you want, my bookie has it. And then once you find that perfect something that you're looking for, Alumni Hall's Hall Pass Rewards Program helps you earn credit towards future purchases with every single purchase you make. For every $150 you spend in-store or online, you get $10 towards a future purchase. So it really is a no-brainer, guys. When you're in the market for any Georgia gear or accessories, Alumni Hall is your go-to place because it is where the Bulldogs shop. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right, let's move over to the defensive side of the ball here, Curtis. Defensively, I mean, it's pretty clear we all saw this. It was a tale of two halves of football, man. The first half was straight up dominant. We held Florida to 16 yards total in the first quarter. They did not get their first first down until the 11:25 mark in the second quarter. We held them to 88 total yards in the first half, and it got about half of that on one play. I think it was one 41-yard play to Justin Shorter, one pass there, and held them to three points in the first half. Well, the second half, not as much, not as dominant, right? Gave up 283 yards in the second half. And 17 points. Yes, of course, turnovers played a large part in that. But Curtis, I think turnovers or not, you watch how defense played in the first half or second half, and it looked different, right? So how do you account for some of the second half issues that we saw from this Georgia defense against Florida? Um, I think first you always have to talk about Nolan Smith. Realistically, the the him being out, you know, I thought they took advantage of that in the second half, especially in the run game. And then um, I think there's a lack of discipline. I mean, um, you know, we did pretty poorly missing tackles. I thought was one thing that was really hurting us was tackling poor. And then you think back to that, like, 73-yard touchdown pass or however long it was um, yep. where Starch just had a freshman moment. Yep. Yeah, and that play, Curtis, um, this is my read on that play. Um, Malachi, I think we were in Palms coverage, which is uh, – it's also called two-trap. And so when we're in two-trap, 
or palms, whatever you want to call it. The safety has number two vertically if he goes vertical, right? But if the if number two runs an out route, which he did on that play, then the cornerback takes him. And then the safety has number one vertical. On that play, if you watch it, the 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 slot receiver, number two receiver, ran an out route. And Malachi's eyes stayed on him. He took a step or two, false steps towards that receiver, and he's beat. That was what he blew there. He just simply, he had his eyes in the wrong place. He's got to have number one vertical on that play. The, I think it was Keeley, the cornerback. I think it was Keeley, either Keeley or Kamari. Did the right thing, and he stopped, and he played the flat there when the number two receiver broke out in the out route. And Malachi just made a mistake there. But, Kurt, like, yes, that was the most obvious blow mistake because that brought within one score, 70-plus yard touchdown play, and we cannot do that moving forward because Tennessee will murder us. But, Curtis, I'll be honest with you here, man. This is what concerned me. That was the most obvious one. I saw quite a few other opportunities where we had we had made some mistakes in the back end that yeah. they just couldn't Andy, convert he on just because missed. Anthony Richardson's not good. Yeah, and there was one. I'm. This is I've seen it happen multiple times now. I'm – Kiwi Ringo just cannot time his jump. He's got to stay on his feet. When he goes airborne right now. We just have a hard right time now, making plays on the ball. We're, we're in position, Curtis, so consistently with these cornerbacks. But just making a play on the ball, we seem incapable of doing it right now. Yeah, especially Keeley, because as soon as he leaves his feet, he's mistiming everything. I mean, I don't, honestly, man, that, that jump wasn't even close. Like, no, it wasn't. That happened. I don't know. Do you need glasses? Like depth, I'm, on, I'm, I'm being dead serious. You're like depth perception? Like. I've what seen it happen multiple there? times where he's misjudged it. And there was one, I think it may have been Sanford or one of those Kent State, where he misjudged it, but the guy just dropped it. Yeah, I think it was Kent State. Yeah, I think it was Kent State. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, Curtis, we cannot blow assignments like that. We can't, I mean, we know who we're playing next week, and we know what they're capable of doing. And I know they hit us for one of those. Curtis, there were three or four opportunities at least that were there for big plays. And uh, make game changing type plays. And Anthony Richardson's just not good. He's just not a good passer. I, and I said that in the pregame or in the preview show, he cannot beat you from the pocket. And that's exactly what happened. Like, he just he can't beat you from the pocket. He just he's just not that guy. He can't do it. Well, Hidden Hooker can, Curtis, right? So if we yeah. make those kind of mistakes, um, that's not going to be good next week. So we've got to clean that up and clean that up fast. I will say, like Malachi making that mistake, you know, Malachi's made some mistakes this year, Curtis. But I will say, when he's made those mistakes, he's learned from them, and you don't see him make all those mistakes. No, that's true. He's twice. very coachable. Um, but outside of that, the one thing that really bothered me, I go back to it, it was the the missed tackles because you think there were so many times we had Anthony Richardson for sacks, and we just didn't bring him down. And him and Hooker will make us pay. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely will, man. He definitely will. There's no doubt there. I, I know. I know. And look, Andy Richardson's a big physical guy, but Hinton Hooker's tough to bring down, too. We've got to get those guys down. I mean, that you to beat Tennessee, what do you – I mean, there's a lot of things you need to do. We'll talk about that all week. But one thing that will certainly help is get them behind the chains. Negative plays, that certainly helps. And we've got to we get those opportunities. We've got to get the guy on the ground. I'm going to go back to what you said about Nolan Curse. I think that was huge. And I, I know it's one player. And I had somebody, I had a couple of people on uh, social media that were DMing me about that. And I was, you know, they were asking me, like, well, you know, what was the issue in the second half? And I, one of the first things I said was Nolan. And they're like, well, he's not even like a big sack guy. And it's like, well, it's not that, man. Like, Nolan is an elite run defender. He is one of the best run defenders in the entire league, if not the entire country. He is that good. And when Chaz Chandler's had to come in, Curtis, and Chaz is a hard worker, dude. Love him, man. I'm, I, I love having guys like that. But there's a – I mean, to call it a dramatic drop-off does not do it justice. It just simply does not. I mean, there, I, there were two plays inside the red zone. One they scored a touchdown on – or I think they set up a touchdown. On third and seven, they ran um, – Yep. 
an edge play right at Chambliss, and Chaz is trying to blow it up. Like, Chaz is trying to close on the pulling guard. I get that, but had no awareness whatsoever. And I get a first down on that. I think it was Etienne. And I think a couple drives later, I think it was like a third and four on that play, and they run at him again on the edge, and he just couldn't make the play. Nolan makes both those plays, man. I'm just going to be honest. Nolan makes both those plays. And a play here, a play there, you know, that's the difference between them putting up 20 points then putting up 10 points or putting up 13 points or whatever. So I think that was a big part of it for sure. I mean, and, and just the, the, what Nolan brings from a versatility standpoint, some things that we're able to do from a coverage standpoint, because his, he's a great athlete. He can drop into coverage and, and do some things out there. Chaz Chambers is lost in coverage. I mean, it's not his fault. He's just, he can't do that. That's just not what he's built to do. And I mean, we have no depth at that position, Curtis, like zero depth. I mean, if there's one spot on defense where we couldn't afford an injury, it's that. So I God. Freaking crap, man. I hope to God he's okay. Because if he's not, like, I mean, how bad does that hurt next week, Curtis? I know we have a lot of time to talk about that, but how bad does that hurt next week? It's huge. It's huge. <laughs> Understatement of the century. It's huge. So we'll see. I'm watching that very closely. I'm I'm I don't I'm honestly not that optimistic. If it's a separated shoulders they were alluding to, but I don't know, man. Knock on wood. We'll just we'll just let it play out and see what happens there. Um, one thing I want to mention here, Curtis. I think the front seven honestly just kind of got worn out. In the, in the third quarter, to be quite honest with you. Uh, if you look at it, Curtis, we, the defense is on the field for nine minutes and 54 seconds of the first 11 minutes and 29 seconds of the second half because, you know, they they had a nice drive to open the second half, score a touchdown, right? And then we fumble the ball, they get the ball right back, right? Then we throw an interception, they get the ball back. So our guys are on the field a lot. And one thing, you know, our defense has been so good all year, Curtis, but one thing you and I have been saying pretty consistently is we don't have the type of quality depth especially in the front seven that we had last year. And so we're not able to rotate guys the way that we did. And you won't have a Channing Tindall to bring off the bench at inside linebacker. Like we bring in Ryan Davis and it's like, that's a big drop off. You know, we brought Jalen Carter off the bench last year. We don't have a guy like Jalen Carter bring off the bench this year on the defensive line. So I think when they were on the field so much during the third quarter, I honestly think they got worn out. And that is somewhat concerning for me when you consider how Tennessee likes to go with tempo, you know? So I, I mean, am I just making that up? Or was that a factor in your mind? I mean, it was a factor, but you also, I think Anthony Richardson finally decided to run. Um, and that was a yep. big thing that, um, and he took advantage of really the edge. Oh, there's no doubt he did. Yeah. I mean, again, with Nolan out, that um, that changes things. It changes things. There's there's no doubt about it. But all in all, it was still a really good performance by the defense. I mean, the guys, this is the this was the team coming to this game that led the country, not the SEC, led the country in yards per rush, like 6.4 yards per rush. We held them to 100 yards rushing and 2.9 yards per rush. So un- less than half of their average per rush throughout the season. That's what we held them to. So it's a great defensive performance all in all. Um, bad third quarter, bad third quarter. But I still, for the large, for, for the most part, I like what I saw from this defense. Hopefully we can get some of those guys healthy and, cont- and continue to get a guy like Jalen Carter healthier and healthier to where he can play more snaps, more than just third downs, which was great to see him out there, by the way. But all right, Curtis, we got to wrap things up here real quick, man. We got some game balls to give out. Who is getting your first game ball for top performances? I mean, I think it's no question it goes to Brock Bowers. I mean, that, it's I just mean, that's a no-brainer. Gotta be. Yeah, I knew you were going to steal that one. That's okay. I mean, five catches, 154 yards, career high. Brock Bowers is a freaking monster. Again, I know five catches, 154 yards, that's great. I mean, like we got to feed Brock, man. Like Brock needs like ten to twelve targets a game. Like he is, he is the playmaker on this team. Like we've got to feed this guy the ball. He's just a monster. Are right, you took Brock? I'm going to take Dage Edwards, our first hundred yard rusher of the season. Of course, actually, that's not accurate. 
Branson Robinson was the first 100-yard rusher, and then he lost two yards on a subsequent carry. Ended up with 98 yards against Auburn. But the first player to end the game with 100 yards this season for us as a running back, Dejan Edwards, 12 carries, 106 yards, two touchdowns. All the man does is produce. Love me some Dejan Edwards. He's gonna, he might have a permanent spot on this list for me, Curtis. All right, who you got next? Um, next, I um, got to go with Pop. I thought Pop played a very strong game. Pop is, I mean, he's been great all year. He's, am I just imagining this, or is he getting better every single week? He is. He's getting, I mean, he's, he's, I think he's understanding the speed of the game so much better now. I think that's what, where you're seeing the biggest difference. Yeah, he is, man. I mean, Pop is, he's a stud for us, man. There's no doubt there. Um, all right. I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go with another running back here, Curtis. We mentioned it earlier. I got to give some love to my man, Kenny McIntosh. 16 carries, 90 yards, but 90 physical yards, Curtis. Had a touchdown in there. And look, I'm going to give Kenny credit here. That fumble, can't have that. Don't like that. But we went right back to Kenny, and the way he responded after that, that's what champions are made of, man. Love this guy. Love Dejan. And I uh, thought he had a huge game. Honestly, that's probably – I don't know if it's statistically that was his best game as a Georgia Bulldog, but in my mind, that was Kenny McIntosh's best game, in my opinion. All right, who gets your last game ball? Uh, my last game ball goes to um, Christopher Smith. I thought he just, you know, ah, he did stole him for us. Yeah, all over the field, man. I will say Chris Smith has been so good for us for a couple of years now. I think the past couple of games, his tackling hasn't been as strong as it usually is, but he fixed that against Florida. I mean, he was all over the field. I think he tackled better. Um, he's just a leader for us, man. I mean, the defense has so many young guys and experienced players. I guess they're more experienced now, but – He's been a rock for us all year long. All right, you stole him for me. Let's see who am I going to go with. All right, I'm going to go uh, – let's go Javon Bullard here. Led the team with eight oh, tackles. Yeah. i got to get a defensive guy here. And, look, I know he had the thing off the field, right, obviously. But talk about a guy who's had some adversity but bounced back with some resiliency. And he's – I mean, he's been playing lights out all year long. I mean, this he's a smaller guy, Curtis. But the way he fills against the run, not even just like – tackling guys but taking on blockers that have i don't know like 100 pounds on him like he'll take on like pulling guards and let's like not think anything of it this guy's a baller i absolutely love him um i mean i know that we all thought tyke smith was gonna be that guy and tyke's a really good player but javon's just better honestly man i know that tyke's to come off the injury but javon has been a stud for us all year long and uh, i think this might have been one of his best games as a georgia bulldog with the team with eight tackles on the day but all right, guys, that does it for today here on the Glory UGA podcast. That was a huge win. I told you guys coming into the game this week, I thought this could potentially be a trap game spot, and our guys approach it the right way. Yeah, we had a little bit of a letdown there in the third quarter, but we were able to regain momentum and win this one going away. So mission accomplished, and now is officially the time to move on to the game that everyone has had their eyes on since they beat Alabama a couple weeks back. And that, of course is the Tennessee Volunteers. In what very well might be at least the hype leading into the game, the biggest game in the history of Sanford Stadium. The AP poll has already come out. Tennessee is tied with Ohio State as number two in the country. So this is, according to the AP poll, a one versus two matchup. We'll see if it plays out that way when the initial college football rankings come out on Tuesday night. But whatever those rankings end up saying, I've been kind of racking my brain the past week or so trying to think, is, has there ever been a bigger game in Sanford Stadium in my lifetime? And I don't think that there has been. I know the, I know the Notre Dame game was really hyped back in 2018, not to this level. I know there were some huge games in 2013 against South Carolina and LSU. 
Obviously, in 2004 against LSU, that was a huge game. But none of those games reached this level. And honestly, most of the questions that we've been getting on social media for our mailbags have been Tennessee-related. Over the past couple of weeks, we've we've talked about some of them on the show the past few weeks. We've held some of them for this week. But there's no holding back anymore, guys. We are going full force on this massive Georgia-Tennessee game that will be played here in the Classic City six days from now. So get your popcorn ready, guys. It is going to be one hell of a week leading up to this game, and we are going to have you guys covered every step of the way, so make sure to keep checking back every day this week. We're going to have some content for you guys. So thank you for listening, guys. We always appreciate you. For Curtis, I'm Tyler, and as always, Go dogs. <laughs>